Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. What do you think of the Bible? Um, What do you really think of the Bible? Uh, I was on an atheist's chat site the other day. It's not something I go on very often. Um, uh, But they were asking on this site, um, what what do people think of the Bible? And a number of folks said things which I think are quite common views of what people think. Let me read some of them to you. It's a great book. It's just not written by God. Um, I doubt it was ever the intention of the writers that it be elevated to such a high place. The Bible is a collection of legends, stories and guidelines to living. And the final one, to me, the Bible is a tool used to brainwash people. Uh, Let's face it, trusting the Bible does do weird stuff to people, doesn't it? Uh, If you trust the Bible, it'll be uh, church this, church that, this prayer meeting, that Bible study. Uh, The Bible makes you religious. Um, Or or what about my friend who has a very high-paid job down in London um, and uh, she is thinking of giving that job up uh, to do some Christian work. You can't blame her parents for saying that she's reckless and throwing her life away. Uh, You know, the Bible makes you fanatical. Or, um, you know, there's all that sort of stuff in the Bible, isn't there, which stops you having fun. Uh, Don't do this, uh, don't do that. You know, the Bible can make you boring. Well, you know, these aren't new things. Uh, It's uh, not a new phenomenon at all, and uh, uh, this has been going on for years. Uh, As we look at some of the characters in our reading today, as we'll see later on, uh, it'll show you that. Let me introduce you to a bunch of Bible bashers. Uh, First of all, there's... uh, You're not going to be able to see Paul at all now, are you? There's... uh, (laughs) I'll put it over there. No, no, that's it. There's Mary and Joseph... Uh, Now, uh, Mary and Joseph, as we read our passage, you'll find they're doing what the Bible says. They're following the law. As we read our passage later on, maybe you'd like to see how many times it says they are following God's law. Um, They're basically being religious. Um, Not only have we got Mary and Joseph, um, we've got a a fellow we met last week. His name is Simeon. Here he is. He was an old bloke. Um, I don't know uh, what you thought of him last week, but he struck me as a bit of a religious nutter, um, a bit of a a weirdo. He he used to say things like, God has told me stuff. God's speaking to him. What's that about? Uh, He said that he was looking forward to dying. Nobody looks forward to dying, do they? It strikes me uh, that he was a little bit fanatical. Um, uh, And then there was uh, somebody else that we're going to meet today. Her name is Anna. Now, Anna, I'm sure that Anna is a lovely old lady. Can you see her over there? There she is. Can take a look at her. Uh, she's a lovely old lady. Um, but, frankly, Anna, she's a little bit boring. And we'll find that she spends all her time in the temple. Not only that, but she's worshipping, praying and fasting. It says, day and night. Every day and every night. (laughs) A bit boring. The Bible makes you religious and fanatical and boring. Or does it? Or does it? Uh, What if there's something in it? 
Uh, What if these folk are right? What if the Bible is God's chosen way of telling us about himself? What if it has something to say about life and truth and purpose and meaning? Or, Or let's go the whole hog here. What if the Bible gives us answers to absolutely everything we need to know in order to live the life we were made to live? You see a few nods? Yeah, yes, Gareth, that's right. (laughs) That's what the Bible is. But before you switch off because you think you've got that, let me tell you, I'm asking this question today, not just for those people who think the Bible is old-fashioned and uh, outdated and uh, irrelevant and rubbish. I'm not even asking this question uh, for the person who is really struggling and having doubts about Scripture. Um, If you are in either of those groups, then do keep listening because I think there are things that you can learn. Uh, This is for everybody because let's face it. Be honest, those of us who who have been Christians for years and years and years, who've known Jesus for ages, can still forget or ignore what the Bible says, can't we? Uh, Here's some examples. Um, How about, I don't know whether you you get up in the morning and you think, "Ah, great, another day with me. I'm a pretty good person, basically. I quite like the person that I am. Oh, the Bible says that's a lie, if that's what you're thinking. Uh, what about the stuff that's in the news at the moment? We've got all sorts of things, haven't we? The role of women in the church, uh, marriage, sexuality. They're in the headlines every single day almost. Is the Bible still trustworthy today on those things, on those issues? Or have we moved on as a society? Uh, and what about when the Bible challenges stuff that you want to do? What you spend your pen- spending money on? I want to keep it to myself rather than share it with anybody. Uh, what about um, what the Bible has to say about things like sport on Sunday? Or starting a romantic relationship with somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus? It's very challenging, isn't it? Or, or do you come to church on a Sunday and uh, check out what it says in the Bible? You've listened to the reading and uh, you listen to what people are saying about it and then you get home in the week and... Doesn't see the light of day. Or or maybe you're in a tough position. Things are going pretty badly at the moment. It's pear-shaped. It's gone belly up. Why is God letting this happen to me? The Bible says that he's a good God, isn't he? Well, it's got nothing to say to me in that situation. Everything's just a little bit too hard to read the Bible. There are some really big things going on when we consider whether the knowledge in the Bible is everything that we need for life and godliness. So let's see if Luke 2 can help us, shall we? Um, Pam's going to come up and read for us now. Um, If you want to be finding page 1028, that would help. And as we read, um, see if you can spot how many times... Mary and Joseph follow the law. See if you can spot um, uh, what Simeon's like, what Amma's like. Just get an impression of them as we read these verses. Thank you. So as Gareth has said, you'll find the reading on page 1028 in the Bibles in the Pew. And we're reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Pam. Um, We all live by something. Um, You might not have thought about it, you might not know that that's the case, uh, but we all do live by something like um, rules or a code or a set of beliefs. Many times you can find that sort of stuff written down, so uh, the Bible would be an example of that, a set of beliefs that people live by. Um, uh, There would be the Koran, Uh, you could even go as far as saying the Socialist Manifesto um, is a set of rules um, and a code of practice to live by. Um, And um, sometimes uh, you find that these writings are a little more subtle. Uh, For instance, here's some religious writings. Stuff magazine, bought for me by my children this Christmas. Tells me everything I need to know and everything I need to have in order to be a techie geek. Um, There's also other stuff. Um, what you need to look like or how healthy you need to be. Um, what you need to dress in and how to attract people. Um, uh, what you need to watch. A film magazine. 
uh, or What You Need to Know, one of those gossip magazines. Sometimes things aren't written down, but that doesn't necessarily make them any less real. Uh, Like the things you need to do in order to be part of a gang. Or um, you could say the conferences you need to go to and the hours you need to work in order to be part of a group of colleagues. Uh, The dress code or activities for a friendship group. It might be uh, goths or clubbers. Uh, It might be schools or even golfers. Or maybe your set of guidelines that you live by is um, a sort of jumble of all sorts of things. It might be a pick and mix that's held inside your head of things your parents have taught you, uh, things that teachers you've respected had said, or things that through experience you've begun to trust, you've begun to trust. Now before we point the finger at uh, these religious and fanatical and boring people who follow all the Bible all the time, it's only fair that we recognise that we all do that in some way or other. We all live by something. And behind those beliefs or things that we live by, those rules, those codes, there's usually people, well there's always people that we're trying to please. So every single one of us here will be trying to please somebody. It might be please yourself. It might be please your parents. It might be please your colleagues or your school friends. It might be um, please those people who are in the sort of gossipy group or uh, the the film buffs or the techie people or the the, the sort of health fanatics or, or the cool trendy folk who are doing all the right stuff. Or it might be to please your church going friends. Um... The ones who need to see you doing the right things or you need to be seen doing the right things. Let me tell you, if uh, that's the reason uh, that uh, you're doing things, then that's when the Bible does become and make you religious, boring and fanatical. We all live by something and we all want to please someone. Um, With that in mind, let's look again at this group of Bible bashers, as I've called them. Because I think there's something very special going on in Luke's bit of history of the good news. Uh, But remember, all these people are no different than anybody else. We all live by something and to please someone. And it leaves me with the question, is what they live for and who they're trying to please more certain than what I'm living for and the people I'm trying to please? If there was one question I wanted you to answer in your own head today, that would be it. So let me repeat it. It is what they live for and who they're trying to please more certain than what I'm living for and who I'm trying to please. Uh, Luke chapter 1, if you just want to turn back to it, if you've still got your Bibles open there, um, uh, tells us that the reason uh, Luke is writing this book is to make his friend certain of something. Um, Let me read chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4. It seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is written so that we can be certain. So what can we be certain of in this little section that we've looked at today? Or more to the point, who can we be certain of? Let's just take another look at the players, shall we? Uh, We've got Mary and Joseph, haven't we? Now, They've had a bit bit of a tough time of things, really. Um, uh, They had this news, if you read back in Luke's Gospel, that um, their elderly relatives, very elderly relatives, one of them had become pregnant and one of them had been struck dumb. 
Uh, then they seem to have all these weird visits from angels who tell them that um, uh, the, the Son of God is on his way. And then to top all that, there's this pregnancy that appears with no logical, biological explanation at all. Peculiar things are happening. And I think that Mary and Joseph knew the person behind the law that they were following was doing something very, very special. And so this young couple, uh, they were doing everything they could to please him, to do things his way. Uh, God's law, the Bible, it wasn't religion for them. No, it wasn't religion at all. It was reason and meaning and purpose. And what about um, Simeon then? We were introduced to him uh, last week by Paul, an old man uh, waiting to die. Uh, Well, verse 25 tells us that he was righteous and devout. A good man trying to live a good life. But for who? Well, Paul showed us last week from Isaiah uh, where Simeon might have seen what God was saying to him. Uh, For him, trusting in this book as he read Isaiah, it wasn't about being fanatical. No, for him, it was a real hope. Hope that as God had promised him, one day he was going to see in person God's rescuing king. He was trusting God's word and pleasing him. Um, And then we've got Anna. Well, this lady's had a really tough life. No doubt you noticed that as we read the passage. Um, And yet what she knew of God in this book that she was taught in the temple every single day made all the difference to her. Her marriage had only lasted seven years. And then her husband had died. But she wasn't bitter. She knew that God was a good God and that he cares about his children because it says so in here. It's not boring to be part of church. It's a place where you're reminded of who God is and what he's done. 84 years old she was, but with God at the helm, the best is still to come. Anna knew from this book to stay around God, to be with him, uh, to always pray. She wasn't being boring at all. She had true life. True life. So when it comes to the Bible, it doesn't make you uh, religious, it doesn't make you fanatical, it doesn't make you boring, no, these people were far from that. These people were people who were filled with reason and hope and true life. That's what the Bible gives you. And Luke and God want all of us to be certain of that. So certain, in fact, uh, that the trust these people had in the Bible and the God that they were wanting to please brings them all to the same point at the same time in history to teach us something or to more accurately introduce us to someone. Mary and Joseph have reason to go to the temple, trusting in the law of God. And they meet two people. They meet Simeon and they meet Anna. Simeon is a man who's got hope in the things God has taught him in Isaiah, uh, who speaks to them of their baby who has come to rescue. Verse 30 of our passage. Um, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepare in the sight of all people. That includes us today. 
And then there's Anna, a woman who even in her circumstances is living a real life for God, pleasing him, taught by uh, the people in the temple of this book. And she thanks God and she tells everyone she meets about this child. Everyone she meets who, verse 38 tells us, is looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, looking forward to God's rescue. For me, it is no surprise whatsoever that Jesus turns up into a family who are trusting the Bible, who have reason to live, who are pleasing God. It makes no surprise for me to see that he turns up um, and is introduced by two people who have a rich heritage of trusting in the Bible and pleasing God. And as we look at these people trusting the Bible, we begin to see that it's so much more than words on a page. So much more than something to sort of study academically or turn up at a Bible study and have a read about every week. Um, Something to follow just as a code of practice and a way to live. Uh, Like with all ways to live, all systems of belief, there's a person behind it. Only this person is God himself come to rescue us from our stupidity when we go off and we trust other ways of life, other um, systems of belief and other people who don't care for us anywhere near as much as he cares for us. It's Jesus. These people following the law, this old codger who seems to um, go on a little bit of mumbo-jumbo, this old lady who spends all her time at church, they're all getting to know somebody and living, learning to please someone. It's Jesus. And it's all recorded in this book here so that we can get to know him too. Do you ever wonder why people live by this old-fashioned, irrelevant book? Have you forgotten that the Bible has something to say on absolutely everything if we only take the time to read it? Uh, Or have you just got out of the habit of enjoying it? Well, if you have, remember, this is where you meet the one person who can and is able to rescue you to provide for you, to give you the care that you need, that we all need. So here's my challenge to you. Read the Bible. Get to know Jesus. Um, uh, Live to please him. Things haven't changed since that first Christmas. In 2013, uh, the word still brings reason and hope and true life. Now, there are loads of ways in which you could do that. Um, uh, just go and sort it out for yourself by all means but we have a few tried and tested ways and people that we trust to help us to read our Bibles and that's why you'll find um, open up the Bible pamphlet that we've put inside your notice sheet today gives um, loads of different ways in which you could find some resources to help you read the Bible whatever age you are with families on your own as teenagers, as children it's really good, have a look at it And if you'd like to get one of those books, well, sort it out by yourself by all means, but there is a sign-up list over in the church centre where you can sign up for us to sort out getting those Bible studies to you. Um, Or another exciting thing, and this is for absolutely everybody, um, uh, there's a letter floating around over there to um, families. Well, I say to absolutely everybody, I say to to families this is mainly. Um, And we're all in families one way or another, but particularly to families who've got children who are in the kids' stuff on a Sunday morning. Um, We're starting a new curriculum called the Gospel Project. And with this curriculum come some fantastic resources to follow up the teaching that's going on on Sunday. Uh, pick up that letter Uh, you'll get it somehow even if you don't pick it up today but pick it up and have a read and see how you can put this book at the center of your family's life as the week goes by I'm going to finish with a little bit 
from this booklet that you've all been given. Um, Something that Tim Chester writes. Um, He says this. Let me tell you about an amazing experience I had just this morning. Actually, amazing doesn't really do it justice. It was out of this world. This morning, God spoke to me. I know that sounds weird, but I'm sure that's what happened. The God who made the universe actually spoke to me. I could hear him, hear what he was saying, just as clearly as you can understand what you're reading now. The words he spoke felt like words of life to me. It was like they were resounding deep in my heart. There were words of instruction that helped me to know him more and understand his ways. Reason. Uh, There were words of challenge that called me to follow him better and love him more. True life. There were words of comfort that spoke to my needs and gave me hope. It was like a rousing battle speech. Uh, It was like a love song sung to my heart. And then he finishes uh, with these words. Um, I read my Bible regularly because I have to. Not have to in the sense that someone might criticise me if I don't or that God will get miffed with me. uh, But have to in the same way that I have to eat food every day. This is how I live. Without God's word in my life, I too readily get preoccupied with myself, my fears, my insecurities, my reputation. Without God's word, I am so much more vulnerable to temptation. I need God's word to realign my heart day by day towards, and this is the person, towards Jesus. I need that medicine for my soul, that battle speech, that love song, and I need it every single day. Read the Bible. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you that you tell us all about yourself. Thank you that you show us your son, who reveals even more about you. And thank you that you do it in the Bible. I pray, God, that you would help us to recognise that and to love it more. Help us to read it, to know you well, and to live for you. In your name, amen.